Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about boosting your mood for your job search. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, this is such an important topic, one of my favorite ones that we're going to address today. If you're not taking care of your own health, specifically your energy levels, your mood, your mental health, all of that, you are doing yourself a disservice. Today, I brought on the magnificent Matt Zinman. Matt is a difference maker devoted to personally enriching the lives of at least 100 million people by 2025. His new book, Zisms, Insights to Live By, is based on his experiences as an entrepreneur, athlete, single parent, caregiver, and nonprofit founder. Matt is also the host of Insights to Live By, a podcast that invites guests to share their own pearls of wisdom. He is also the CEO of the Internship Institute, which he established in 2007 to make experience matter. So as you can see, Matt's just going to be amazing, and this episode is really going to help you out if you're looking for some steady energy to carry you through your job search. So let's launch right into it with our 157th episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. All right, Matt, how are you doing today? Hey, Chris, it is a pleasure to be here. We're going Career Warrior. We're going to eat grandma today. I'll just follow along. I'll follow your lead. It's one of my favorite jokes ever. I'm so glad you brought it up. As I said during the intro, mood is one of my favorite topics. And for me, this is something that I feel almost bad that I haven't brought it up on the show enough because it's so paramount to our success. It's one of those things where no one really thinks about it. Very little people are talking about it. We really aren't taking any active steps to improve it for the most part. Wanted to get your take here. Why, in your opinion, is mood and energy so vital in our careers? You know, for me, for one, I, I've been an entrepreneur since 2002. My work life and my personal life have been intertwined ever since. And managing energy has something I've been very conscientious about, both as an entrepreneur and because in part through uh, disclosures in the book, I've revealed that I've had to contend with depression since my early teens. And so that really takes a you know, whole different level of priority in terms of self-care. When it comes to energy day to day, it really is about personal mindfulness and checking in with yourself so that you're not letting yourself deplete to the point where it's detrimental. And at the same time, taking advantage of when you're at your best. So it really is that staying in tune with yourself and being more productive and that energy management as opposed to time management that I've found to be a lot more effective in getting things done in, in an easier way. Yeah, I'm so glad you said energy management versus you know time management, because I think about time management all the time, like how I can fit things in my schedule a certain way to make me more productive. You know, I don't really think about energy management in that way. I mean, it's one of those most it's such an important thing because there are some times where I've, you know, I felt really on point and I've been able to tackle something within a short amount of time feeling good doing it versus times when I felt down and maybe my mood hasn't been there or my energy levels haven't been locked in. It takes me like four times longer to accomplish the same task because my energy isn't on point. Is that what you're talking about when you say energy management? Yeah, you know, you're spot on. It's a great example you gave in that if you kind of find yourself swimming upstream, like I'm staring at my computer and I can't write a cohesive sentence 
for the last 30 minutes. Maybe I should go do something else. And just being in tune with yourself to the sense of, well, you know what, I, I'm really having, you know, not necessarily a down day per se, but just a less energetic day or I'm not as mentally acute. You know, the laundry still has to get done just the same, you know, in terms of managing how I invest my time. But when I do feel really upbeat, which I try to do as much as possible, like anybody, and I, I really feel that energy, I also align to look at what are the things that I need to be doing that it'll be easier for me to do knowing that I'm, you know, closer or at my best, whether that's writing or, you know, trying to shoot a video or, or anything like that. So it's just, you just have to practice just like anything over time. And, you know, you're never going to get it a hundred percent right, but it definitely, I think energy is a, a lot more effective daily currency than trying to manage time. Yeah. I love that. And in a second here, we'll get into some things we can do to make sure that we keep our energy in check. But first, I just want to get from you. This is probably one of my favorite things to ask. I like to play devil's advocate on this podcast. I like to be that guy that says, you know, what's the whole point? You know, I'll listen to this podcast. I'll tell myself energy is important, but I'm probably not actively going to work on it. What would you tell that person that says that this may not be something worth actively trying to improve in their lives? I think that you know, it's easy when when getting specific like this on a topic that it's like, oh, you know, energy. But it really is a lot more than that. You know, for example, things that you can fold into your day, like gratitude. And I speak a lot to that so that you're not caught up in the negative energy of worrying or being anxious or having regret or making assumptions unnecessarily. Like all those things that can come into play when you're not staying present. And it's easy to fall into that trap. So it's not just about, hey, you know, when am I at best or not so much and what do I do in relation to it? It really is about daily living and life enrichment and staying present. So one of the things that I do on, on a practical basis is I'll set an alert on my phone for 10 a.m., 1 p.m., 4 p.m., and 7 p.m. And it's just a reminder for me to take a minute, you know, when it goes off and just check in with myself. And maybe it's a minute that has less to do with an energy check in around doing something else as much as it is, you know, you only just take my eyes off my computer and just, you know, adjust or do something about experiencing gratitude in the moment. And what is that? That's four minutes in a day. So anybody who says that, you know, I'm just not going to do it. I think they're here for a reason listening to the podcast. So I would hope that folding you know, doing something like that as an example is easy enough that it doesn't have to be some big chore. I love that. Four minutes a day is so doable. I think every single person listening right now, at least, you know, if you don't think you have the four minutes a day, I think you're the type of person that really needs to take this to heart because I think that is so important just to take time. You know, I'm case in point. I think there's a reason why I'm doing this episode with you today. And that's that I've just become so incredibly busy. Life has become hectic for me these last couple of weeks. It's just been really busy with some new initiatives with our company. And yesterday I felt like a chicken with my head cut off running from one meeting to the other, one task to the other. And before I knew it, it was, I think, 7 p.m. And I was like, where did the time go? If you blink, it's over. You know, I mean, I'm the same way. It's, I mean, I'm really looking at this less from an outside perspective. It's just knowing myself and much the same way I can get those blinders on, get hyper focused. And then, you know, where did the day go or realize that I've been going too long and get to the point where I'm just out of gas and I never should have done that. And then I pay the price for it. 
uh, you know, it has that domino effect. So it's just a personal management habit that I've put into place that you know, it doesn't get much easier and, and something I, I encourage people to try. We'll delve in a second to ways we can take care of ourselves. But just one last question here. Worst case scenario, what can happen to us if we are not taking care of our energy? Look, I mean, I think that everyone at some point in their lives at, at some level or maybe on a routine basis is susceptible to depression. You know, if you're somebody, as I mentioned earlier, who already contends with depression, knows what that's like, you have a pretty good incentive not to feel that way. So for other people, the challenge with it is that you don't realize it. You know, it's kind of the difference between spring feeling like, oh, wow, it's spring. I feel so much better. Not realizing, oh, I've been kind of down, you know, the last number, you know, I've been sluggish for weeks or even months on end. And again, just the same, it's easy to blink. So from that mood standpoint, the worst that can happen is that if I let three days go by where I don't have a lot of structure and I have one down day, from an entrepreneur standpoint, Chris, you're going to get punched in the gut, whether it knocks you down and you have to get back, but get back up. If I get to a third day, I literally like parent myself to, uh, you know, I'm creating structure. I have my to-do list. I'm going to reach out to people who lift me up. I'm going to work out. I'm going to listen to music because it's like sinking in quicksand. If, if I let that happen, if I get to a day four or five, it's that much more difficult to get out of it. I'd imagine a lot of people can relate to that. Yes. I relate exactly to what you've talked about. And like the more you let it happen, the more you're exactly right, the more difficult it is to get out of it. I think, you know, if we can bring any sort of self-awareness, it's to be proactive before you get to that stage. And it can happen. And we're not all going to be perfect. And I had those really terrible energy slumps in the past and we should be forgiving. But to be as proactive and self-conscious about it is, I think, going to be a really good thing. Yeah, it's just a quality of life, you know, whether respective to career or just day to day joy versus less than that. It matters. I'm glad to be, you know, that we're talking about it. Yeah. So let's delve into this part of this podcast. What can we do to take care of ourselves when we are so darn busy progressing our careers? Well, balance, you know, for one philosophical decision of whether work to live or do you live to work? What is your priority there? Having the balance in your life so that you're not all work and no play. I mean, not to get too cliche, but it does. It takes its toll on you. And that's also very operative cumulatively when it comes to not having the energy that you need to stay on top of things. It's ironic when you have to force yourself to be like, oh, you know, I'm really working. I just want to keep going, not realizing you're depleting. But if you just take a break, if you just do some things that are going to be balanced, take a walk. You're going to come back and you're going to be that much more energized and that much more productive, even though you exchange the time, you know, again, for, for the energy um, and the mood lift. I just think that being proactive and experimenting with it, you know, the one minute thing, you know, that's the no brainer, you know, make your phone your taskmaster. You know, some of these other things are more difficult. Like you said, you know, we're not going to be perfect about it, but try it out. You know, see how it goes. I, I think there's no substitute for experience across the board, uh, you know, career and otherwise. And the same thing goes, you know, well, you know, I'm not used to really never think about taking a walk in the middle of the day. And then, well, how did that feel once you do it? You know, the positive reinforcement of being aware of, you know, what that was like for you. And, you know, I will confess that even though yesterday wasn't perfect, that was the one thing I did make time for. I think it was, it felt really weird, man. It was like two o'clock in the afternoon. I was in the middle of just incredibly busy. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to walk around my block right now just because I need to get outside because I've been trapped in my house all day because it's the situation. And, you know, that I think just getting the blood flowing and all that kind of stuff just made such a huge difference in 
and how I felt for, I think like the hour after that, I felt much better. Yeah. And it's funny, right? Because it's not necessarily like a right away moment. That's exactly typical that you might, oh, I had a good walk. But then an hour later, check in with yourself again, you know, you got your blood flow up and everything. So I know we're kind of, you know, a little bit in the weeds, but that's the point. You know, this is the quality of life and work and career effectiveness that, you know, that matter. Absolutely. And one thing I will add, I don't know when people will be listening to this episode in the future, but I just have a feeling that, you know, people really need to hear right now what they need to be doing specifically to take care of their mental health during this current health crisis, during a time when we can only really be in our homes for most of the time. How would you say that we should be taking care of ourselves specifically now during this time? Well, let's go even further into the possibility that someone is really, truly suffering in silence. And if there is any silver lining along these lines where COVID is concerned, it's that telehealth is now much more accessible. You're a quicksand, right? So it's hard enough to you know move or get off the couch or not binge watch or whatever that might be to try and be proactive to find, you know, some doctor to go into some office, you know, with a couch, you know, just the cliche of it. You could just reach out, you know, get online with somebody, with a professional and have that conversation about what you need to do. Even if it's not that serious, you know, don't wait until it does get that serious because you might just be okay, but need a little bit of guidance on what does this person, you know, think as opposed to, I don't want to go and bother my, my wife or, you know, my family or friends and, or have a hard time communicating that just reach out. And I think that's what comes to mind, you know, going deep on the question. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. It's something that I don't think we're encouraged to do enough of is telehealth therapy and things like that. And you are right. You know, I think now like that we're so virtual conscious already because everything has gone virtual. I think we need to realize that that in itself is definitely something we can access virtually through our own computers, tablets, phones, if we need to. You know, that's a good call out. Thanks for bringing that up. That's great. You know, I think everybody can recognize that, you know, there's that stigma, but, you know, the brain is part of the body and you're talking often about physical chemistry. And yet there's just this difficulty around bringing it up. I mean, in the book, for example, I had illustrated this mood scale, which is kind of like a thermometer where, uh, you know, you have that quote unquote perfect balance and then that range of normal or however that, you know, normal, happy, normal, sad, everybody in their life at some point experiences dipping below. However far, you know, you know what that is when it's beyond typical sad. And then, you know, the other side of it is if you are someone who can elevate, like if you're bipolar, you know, that's a lot more obvious. It really is important to stay in tune with yourself and know where you are on that and know the kinds of things that you need to do that are going to bring you back to whatever center is to you. Exactly. I love that. And so what are some of these other things that you've done to keep yourself elevated on that mood scale? Well, you know, for example, I talk about, you know, there's the mood chapter and then there's one on being a life athlete, which is really specific to some of the typical things around exercise and getting enough sleep. You know, those are the top two for me. I was going to say, you're an athlete yourself, correct? Yeah, I play ice hockey and you know, when I was younger and just a big part of my life. And, you know, if you have that outlet, you know, that's certainly critical. You know, what is that for you? Go there. Don't ignore what it is that brings you joy. I think that it really just in part depends on the individual. Certainly diet is going to be another part of it. And then the other thing, which is maybe less obvious, although you would think it would be, is stress, which is the worst thing for you by far. 
So, you know, being in tune with yourself and stress management is huge. So what I did was, you know, Chris, I don't really, you know, I'm not claiming to be, you know, the nutrition fitness expert here in any way, shape or form, but I did go to the sources of the you know recommendations, you know, weekday and develop this self-care report card, which is free on the site. You know, we'll get to that just fine, but people can just download it. And it's a simple accountability tool to be like, well, did I exercise, you know, three times this week? you know, cardio, on and on. It's just a nice way to kind of keep yourself on track. So again, whatever it is that works for you, don't ignore it. Go at it. Absolutely. And like for me, I think the things that, first of all, the things I quickly respond to almost instantly are getting good sleep, which I think goes hand in hand with stress, you know, to be honest, because like some of those times when I felt overly stressed, it makes it a little bit harder for me to get to sleep, especially when I have just a lot going on in terms of, you know, initiatives or things like that. And nutrition, I know it's one of those things like we don't like to hear it. It's like, ah, boring, eat your veggies. But it is so important too, man. I think for me, been one of the things that I've been having to constantly remind myself, but one of those things that have a payoff, maybe not the same day, but after a week of eating really clean, eating, you know, things that fuel my body, Um, I will start to physically feel my stress levels go down and I'll start to get better sleep. I don't think there's any shame in calling that out. I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, my wife is a certified health coach also. So, you know, I do have to kind of stay a little bit in line. But no, I mean, you know, with nutrition and and all and like I'm actually doing cleansing, you know, the cellular cleanse, you know, this is day one of two. You know, I dread it going in. I don't mind it while I'm doing it. And then afterwards, I'm so glad I did. That's just kind of how it works for me. And, you know, that's another energy management thing, too. And, you know, I'm respectful. I'm not here to, as much as I love it, to promote this specific company, just staying on topic. But I find it matters a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And so I know you have a lot of great words of wisdom on career technique. I know a lot of that comes from the book. And I want to make sure we save some time at the end for that. But I just wanted to hear just again on the topic of energy and mental health. Let's speak to the person who may have just been laid off right now. What would you tell that person in terms of how they should be thinking, what they should be specifically doing to really take care of themselves so they can move forward? Well, for one, I think it's important not to ignore what that feels like. That's never an easy thing, or some people might see it more as an opportunity, but you still have to go through that adjustment. You know, at the foundation is the notion of something called earned confidence. And well, you can't really argue the fact that we've all been through everything we've been through and we're still standing. If you're listening to this, that applies to you. So what that basically says is that you've made it through everything else so far. And so you have the earned confidence to know that you'll make it through whatever is going on right now. As bad as that feels, you know, there's some level of grief there. We're going through some grief now with COVID. And, you know, what does it mean not to be able to do the things that bring us joy because we're, you know, we're more home or we're out of our structure. So you can't ignore those kinds of things daily life or or from a career standpoint. But at the same time, it does open opportunities if you pursue them. So how can you turn that challenge into an opportunity? How do you go about it? You know, we're going to continue to get into here, but maybe there's a pivot to be made. Maybe you take the opportunity to work on yourself from a personal development standpoint. And part of that opens your eyes up to, you know, what is your new why? You know, as just being a general inflection point, you know, when you go through something like that, it's, it's an opportunity to reassess what you really want and go for it. 
And like, I'm thinking of, you know, friends in my own life who are going through that right now. And I would tell them the same exact thing. I think those are some real awesome words of wisdom. Sometimes we do have to realign with our purpose and our why. And especially if we've done the same thing for a long time, like for a long period of time, I was in restaurants myself until I made the transition from 2015 to doing this resume service full time. And it just, a lot of things had to change. So, you know, I think that's a really good point. And I would give people really that permission that they don't really need, but people really need to know it's okay to realign and take time for themselves to make that transition. So, I mean, I think you balance things out with whatever that passion is. I think everybody knows, you know, like I love playing guitar, doing one thing or another. You have to balance it out again, back to the whole mood, you know, getting laid off from work is beyond a drag. Whatever I could say is an understatement for whatever that is for people. So what is it that you can do again, back to energy to balance that out? And you might not feel right away like, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to work on myself. And yeah, you know, I feel hopeful about, you know, finding my passion. You know, it's a process, but heading in that direction, even if it's a, you know, a few steps forward and knock back a couple, you're still moving forward. That's the goal. Hope is the one thing I hope to bring people through this episode. And I think you've done such a great job so far. This is a perfect segue, Matt. Let's delve into just some words of advice or wisdom from your book about career techniques or job search techniques that people can rely on. So what are some things you'd recommend job seekers do? Well, going back, just as a baseline, I'll speak to it from the aspect of an internship. Now, most people, I think, hearing this aren't going from college or otherwise into an internship or apprenticeship, but I want to describe a technique that is completely transferable to anyone in their career. And the point of it is that it gives the job seeker control as opposed to, you know, throwing whatever you can against the wall, writing all the cover letters you probably figure would never get read, that you never hear back from. You know, that's not a good feeling. So what can you do to take control in that way? I'm a big proponent of LinkedIn. That might be how we met, Chris. It was how we met. You know, you start there. And what I like about that naturally is that anybody who is generally from a work career standpoint, they're going to have a profile on LinkedIn. And you then work from the notion of curiosity. Don't be so quick to assume that, you know, this company or that company is the right one for me. You know, it's your life. And of course, your livelihood certainly matters. I don't want to minimize that either. But to whatever degree you do have some choice in flexibility, doing an informational interview is going to open up a lot of doors. So I don't know, Chris, if you've talked about informational interviews much in the past in your other episodes or... We have, but it is not enough. I think it is such a core concept I will continue to vouch for over and over again. So let's hear some on that. I mean, if I was a student or anyone else and I called you up and I said, this is what I've done. I've been over here doing this. I'm kind of interested in opening a resume service. What is that like? You know, can I, you know, reaching to you on LinkedIn, you know, would you spend 15 minutes with me to talk to me about what is it like to do what you do? First off, just at a basic level, I think a lot of people who receive a message like that appreciate it, although you think that you're bothering them. And if they don't appreciate it and they're like, no, I don't know who you are, then they're the ones that aren't worth your time, you know, just on to the next and keep doing that. And you know, you do all the follow throughs, you write the personal notes. If things go well, you ask them who they might suggest would be the next person, maybe get a warm introduction. There's no limit to how much of that you can do just at a baseline. Now, if it comes to a college student and an internship, there's a little bit more flexibility because I might say, 
hey, you know, I really had a great informational interview. I really, you know, genuinely, I like this. And, you know, can I come back and job shadow, right? A student can do that more than someone in a career shift. Although I've done, you know, I've run grants for veterans and we've, and veterans have done that. Oh, cool. I've actually never heard of that concept. So that's the first time that's been brought up on the show. I think that's great. Yeah. Just job shadowing. Let's say that you're in there for a half day and you're in a meeting and you hear something that piques your interest, like, you know, I can research that, or I could do this or write something up. Then, you know, as an exit of that day, you say, well, can I do this? You know, you volunteer to do it and then you knock it out of the park. And then when you do, you just might earn yourself an internship. And then when you knock the internship out of the park, you earn yourself a job. So the idea thinking through that is every single step of the way was completely in the role and control of the job seeker. That's what I tell a lot of students to do now to the degree they follow up is a whole other matter. But I think that those listening, wherever they are in their career, just at the level of looking at LinkedIn and being polite, but also being genuine and in reaching out to the people that you think you might want to be, even if it's not in the company that you're interested to be at. And you can't bait and switch either. You can't be like, oh, well, I really want that job. You know, you have to come at it, you know, authentically. So I love that informational interviews are, I think, such a powerful concept because, you know, going back to it, if someone reached out to me and they have, I'm interested in starting a podcast or doing my own resume writing kind of thing. I'm not even someone who's going to be like, you know, getting competitive, like, oh, I don't want to help this person out. Like, I genuinely feel like excitement whenever I receive messages like that, because it's an opportunity for me to share knowledge, which feels good on my end. And, you know, if I can help in any way I can, then I think that's a good thing. I love that. I think people need to err on the side of doing it versus not doing it every single time. So, I mean, value yourself first. You have something to sell. Well, right now it's you. Well, you have to look at it as though you're doing them the favor, because if they meet you and find out how awesome you are and what a great asset you would be to their company, ultimately, or what a great introduction you would make to somebody who would appreciate them doing that for them, you're ultimately doing them a favor. So you have to put yourself in that mindset and not go at it with your tail between your legs at all. You really go at it with pride. You know, you're taking initiative to do something like that. Whether they follow through on their end or not, they have to respect it. Absolutely. And so let's hear one more nugget here from your book here on how job seekers can further themselves in, in whatever way possible. What's one other thing? I really think that the personal note, I'm just going to focus in on that entirely. The thank you note or the reach out note? The handwritten, mm. the handwritten note. What is it that's going to distinguish you from anyone else? It's that. So whether it's maybe don't rely on LinkedIn and approach somebody with the handwritten note that way or it just, you know, but think of it for yourself. When you receive that from somebody, it's like, wow. I mean, that's a nice first impression to make. So, you know, wherever you are, whether it's a thank you note or whether it's an introduction note, you can't go wrong. And if you really are, you know, it matters for making the right impression, then that's the right one to make. And people remember that. They remember it too. This isn't even a job seeker, but I'm thinking back to a time when I bought a product and I got a handwritten note in the mail that was a genuine one from like, I don't know whether it was the owner or just a customer rep. But, you know, I remember that years later. And like, it's just one of those things that you just don't forget because we just don't get enough of them. Right. I mean, I was going to say, well, send a fax. No, that's creative. You know, whatever that is for you. I mean, I think you just experiment and, you know, just set yourself apart. That's the whole point. Awesome. Well, Matt Zinman, you've been such an awesome guest. We'll hear more about you in just a second here, but one of my favorite questions to ask is the tattoo question. So if you can tattoo one encouraging message, and we'll make this one 
for someone who might feel either depressed or temporarily down in their careers right now, what would that message be? Oh, I know exactly what it would be. It would be be nothing less than just be kind to yourself. I would like to spend a minute or two on this if I could. Please. Yeah, I would love that. So, you know, we have a very focused topic here and, you know, I've learned a lot since publishing the book and having conversations like this. And there's something at the epicenter of it that has me coming back to kindness and that when people think of kindness, the automatic reaction is, oh, being kind to others. But I'm specifically talking about being kind to yourself. And so just from a personal development standpoint, when you think of things like self-esteem and self-love and those things that you try to work toward just getting out of your you know dysfunctions that we all have to recover from you know from our upbringing or, or what have you or the events that have happened to us those things like i don't feel self-love but i want self-love it's just elusive it's hard to really get your arms around it and know how to pursue that but when you look at something from a just be you know why be anything less than kind to yourself right that's the operative question to get the buy-in, because if you can't answer that affirmatively, you know where to start. But let's assume that you can, then on an ongoing basis, that really is at the foundation of it all. Are you beating yourself up? You know, that's not being kind to yourself. Stop it. It's just very concrete. If you rely on the just be kind to yourself principle, like know when to say no to somebody on the other side of that. When you're in that moment, if you go at it from a self-kindness, you always can build on that. I love that, Matt. Thank you so much. Words of wisdom from Matt Zinman. Can't thank you enough for being on the show. How can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Thanks so much for having me, Chris. Thank you to your audience for listening as well and their interest. The book is at zisms.com. It has the hyphen. so Or you might say Zed, right? If you're international, hyphen ISMS.com. Certainly the book is available on Amazon. The reviews there have been very kind encouraging. And, you know, all I can ask, I mean, it's free to read the first part of the book, both on my website, the self-care report card is there as well as I, I mentioned earlier. And then you'll know if it's something that you want to buy, you know, and just keep reading. So, you know, thank you for checking it out. I'm not a coach. You know, I, I didn't write it as a business card kind of thing. I wrote it to put it in people's hands and the goal is worth the help and hope it does. I love that. I was curious about what the purpose is and what inspired people to write the book. So that was it for you. You just wanted to help people, help as many people as you possibly could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get the whole thing about being a coach and as much as that might appeal to me, my goal was really more mass impact. So, you know, one-off clients, you know, isn't going to do that, which is leading now to the podcast that I'm launching, the Insights to Live By, having other people come on and talk about their insights to live by. And ultimately, I hope to do some inspirational speaking. I have some growing to do. I have a lot to learn, but it's something that seems like the right direction. Perfect. Well, Matt, thanks so much for coming on. I think we hopefully inspired some people to, A, hope, like I said, the number one thing I wanted people to get from that. And I think you did such a great job in, in conveying things that people could do. And the be kind to yourself message, I think, really got to me. And I know it certainly did for some of our listeners. So thanks so much for that. You were awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it, Chris. Awesome. So this concludes our 157th episode of the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. Got such amazing insights from this one and really grateful to have Matt on here today. And just would invite everyone, people who may feel like, you know, mood or energy might be something that's concerning them right now. Go back, listen to this episode, take a journal out and write some things that come to mind. It's always good to put that pen to paper because sometimes we can process things a little more deeply. So would encourage people to do that. If you did get a nugget of wisdom from this episode, feel free to tag either Matt or myself on LinkedIn and share this episode. 
I always love it when we hear from you listeners, and that's one of my favorite things about doing this show. So thanks so much for tuning in. This was episode 157. I'll see you next time. 